what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. Ahab is more in tune and has got more in common with Benadad than he has the Lord. How many under the sound of my voice right now, despite all the good things that God has done for them, they are still more in tune with the world, the flesh, and the devil than they are God. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me please to the book of First Kings. The book of First Kings chapter 20. Reading the same passage we read last week. First Kings 20 beginning in verse 31. First Kings 20 verse 31 And his servant said unto Benadad, Behold now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes upon our heads and go out to the king of Israel. Peradventure he will save thy life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant Benadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. And Benadad said, Is he yet alive? He's my brother. Now the men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him and did hastily catch it. And they said, Thy brother Benadad. Then he said, Go ye, bring him. Then Benadad came forth to him, and Ahab caused him to come up into his chariot. And Benadad said unto him, The cities which my father took from thy father I will restore, and thou shalt make streets for thee in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. Then said Ahab, I will send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. And I want to continue with the message we started last week, the unscriptural covenant. The Bible tells us that Benadad and the Syrian army attacked Israel on two different occasions. The odd thing about all of this is, if you look there in verse 27, The children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the countryside. Israel was woefully outnumbered by the Syrians on two different occasions. But they won the battle. The numbers did not matter. The church is running aground today when it comes to the numbers when we look at finances numbers when we look at people attendance numbers the church is running aground today when we look at 
the numbers. And I'm not saying we should ignore the numbers by no means. But we got to be careful that we don't allow the numbers to affect what God has called us to do. We are to live by faith, not the numbers. And God told Israel through the prophet, he told Ahab when he looked out of his palace and saw hundreds of thousands of Syrians like ants surrounding the place. He said, you've seen all this multitude, haven't you? Ahab said, yes. The prophet said, thus saith the Lord, I will deliver you. Glory to God. Glory to God. We've got a God that is able to deliver today. Despite what the numbers may be, God will deliver you. If you look there in verse 29, 1 Kings 20, verse 29, the battle was joined, and the children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day. We're only talking about a handful compared to the army of the Syrians, but God moved upon those men to work above and beyond their ability to win that battle. Church, we're living in a time where it's not popular to go to church. Attendance is down in all churches. It's not just here at Friendship, but it's, it's all around us. And again... You look at the numbers, and it can be very discouraging. And out of the few that come to church, a very, very small percentage of those that attend church are working in the church. Now, that might be because there's only a few that are able to work. <laughs> But God is able, if we'll seek His face and ask for His help and guidance, He will give us an anointing. He will give us the power. He will give us the strength to work above and beyond our ability to get the job done. God is able. Don't look at your limitations. Look at what the Word of God said and Ahab one time in his life, he obeyed what the prophet said, got the princes of the provinces together and sent them out, and God anointed them, and they won the battle. With God, all things are possible. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We've got Jesus Christ, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Benadad's army is destroyed. There is nothing to keep Ahab and Israel from coming in and taking over. Benadad knew this. And the servant said unto him, Behold now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Just as the kings of Israel had 
a reputation for being merciful, I submit to you today, ladies and gentlemen, that the church must have that same reputation for being merciful. Sooner or later, in all churches, there will be those who fall into sin, who go astray, backslide, commit sin, whatever definition you want to put on it. And when such happens to a church member, we are to pray for that individual. And when God opens up an opportunity for us to minister to them, share the word with them, that's what we are to do. And pray for God to finger around their heart and bring them back in. And when God does finger around their heart and they repent and they admit the wrong that they have done or are involved in doing, when they repent of that thing and they come back into the church, we are to accept them. Are you listening to me? But if they've not repented... We're not to have fellowship. Ephesians 5, verse 10. We are to prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. Verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Don't, don't mean that you can be ugly to the person. You just can't have fellowship with them no more. Which can be hard. Can be very difficult. 1 Kings 20 verse 32. Benadad and some of his servants girded sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads. These are Garments of humility. And they came to the king of Israel. They were all dressed up like they were humble, but they weren't humble. They weren't about being humble. They were all about saving their skin. Saving themselves. And in Ephesians 5, Julie, if you'll go back to that, Ephesians 5, verse 6. The Bible says, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. But Ahab had the spiritual sense of a gnat. I mean... My dog Flip-Flops got more spiritual sense than Ahab. At least Flip-Flop, the hare would have come up on his back and he'd have barked at the devil. But Ahab, he has no spiritual discernment at all. And he was deceived by the outward appearance of humility. Satan loves to dress up sin and make it look right and sound good, look right, and honest, and 
And let me give you an example. Like the lottery, for instance. Hadn't preached on that in a while. It's gambling. It's addictive. But Satan puts the word educational in front of the word lottery and makes it sound good and right. And it's for education. He dresses it up to look honest and right. Sounds good, but it's still gambling. It feeds off people's greed. And then they go buy that ticket and they win a little something and now they're hooked. And now they're running up credit card debt. Losing their house and, and everything else while their youngins sit down at the table with nothing to eat. The lottery. Well, you say, well, Brother James, a lot of money's coming in to help education with that lottery. I'm going to say something right now, and you can get mad with me. You can call me up. You can send me your ugly text messages, write me your ugly emails. I don't care. You can call me Roy to Chugganooga Choo Choo for all I care. But any system that promotes homosexuality and transgender needs to go broke and especially when it pertains to our children. And I stand behind Mark Robinson 100%. Go to school and learn what thus saith the Lord. That's what we need. All them kids died down there in Texas, and I hear, where was God at? Well, Y'all kicked him out of the school. Where was God? Kicked him out. Whenever you take God out, you have darkness, you have sin, you have evil, wickedness. Jesus talked about the man where the demon spirits had been cast out of him. And the demon spirits wandered about in dry places and they came back and found that the man's heart was dressed and garnished and cleaned. But there was nothing abiding in the place of it. And so that demon goes out and gets seven more worse than himself and they enter into the man and the last state of the man is worse than the first. That's our educational system in this country right now. We took God out. The demon spirits have come in, and now we have shootings and drugs and, and you name it. That's the problem. Put God back in the schools. Put God's Word back in the schools. Sin wants to live. Look at verse 32, 1 Kings 20, verse 32. They came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant Benadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. By faith in Christ, the sin nature was crucified with Christ. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, 
The Bible says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. The sin nature is dead. It's ineffective. It still exists on the inside of us, but its, its power is very restricted. It does not work and function in the heart and life of the believer like it does the sinner man out here in the world that's never been saved. They're dominated by the sin nature. But when we get saved, that sin nature is put to death, crucified. The old man is crucified with him. And that sin nature stays crucified as long as we maintain our faith in Christ and what he did at the cross. But if we allow our faith to shift from Christ and him crucified to something else, then we got a problem. That's what happened to Paul. Romans chapter 7. Julie, if you will, pull it up on the screen. Romans 7. Verse 8, but the sin nature took occasion by the commandment and wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. Concupiscence is evil, wicked, ungodly, lustful desires. He said, for without the law, sin was dead. He said, I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. This is Paul telling us about his salvation experience. Saved on the road to Damascus, the law had absolutely nothing to do with his salvation. Nothing. And he got saved on that road to Damascus. The Holy Spirit came inside, and after he got saved, he tried to live for God the only way he knew how, by law-keeping not understanding that Jesus fulfilled all the law. He was to maintain his faith in Christ and what Christ did at Calvary, and that gives the Holy Spirit the freedom and the right to work within his heart and life. But Paul didn't know that. He didn't understand that at the time. So he tries to live for God by the means of law. He said, I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, when he started thinking about, oh, I've got to start, I've got to do this, 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 and this. His faith was in himself trying to do certain things, trying not to do certain other things. And the Holy Spirit steps back. If you want to try to do it, God's going to step back and let you do it. But as long as you go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Lord, I can't, but you can. And I'm placing my faith in you. That gives the Holy Spirit the legal right to work within your life. And victory is in your future if you'll keep the faith anchored where it ought to be. He said, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, when he started to try to live for God by law keeping, doing it himself, the sin nature revived and I died. It wasn't a physical death, but it was a spiritual death. It, it, his relationship with God wasn't as it ought to be. 
And the commandment which I found was ordained to life was found unto death. For the sin nature taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and thereby slew me. When it comes to sin, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful how we evaluate sin. It's a very powerful thing. And in 1 Kings 20 verse 32... Ahab asked the question, is Benadad yet alive? He is my brother. Any form of sin is not your brother. Any form of sin is not good. Any form of sin is not right. Any form of sin, you should not have a relationship with it. It's not your brother and it cannot be tolerated. I want you to get this. Ahab after all that God had done for this man, delivered him twice from the Syrian army. After all that God had done for Ahab, Ahab is more in tune with Benadad than he is God. Now I want you to think about what I've just said. Let me say it again. Despite all that God had done for Ahab, Ahab is more in tune and has got more in common with Benadad than he has the Lord. How many under the sound of my voice right now, despite all the good things that God has done for them, they are still more in tune with the world, the flesh, and the devil than they are God? Let me tell you this. The kingdom of darkness is diligently watching and observing. Look there in verse 33. The Bible says, The men did diligently observe whether anything would come from Ahab and did hastily catch it. Ahab said, He is my brother. They caught it. We should never look at sin as a good thing. The powers of darkness are diligently observing any kind of weakness in our life as it pertains to sin and let me tell you when they find it they're going to take advantage of it and use it against us every way possible Ahab said go bring him and they brought Benadad forth and Ahab caused him to come up into his chariot instead of killing this enemy he invites him up into his chariot you think of that He's having fellowship and entertaining the enemy. This man, Ahab, invites a rattlesnake to come up into his chariot. And my friend, you can take a rattlesnake and put a collar around its neck in a leash and bring it into your house and call it Fido if you want to, but sooner or later it's going to get loose and it's going to bite you and it's going to kill you. You can't play around with sin, ladies and gentlemen, and you can't make an unscriptural covenant with sin. You can't tolerate it. Sin comes at you, and, and, and as long as we are entertaining sin, we will not be the overcomer that God wants us to be. We will not have the victory that God wants us to have entertaining sin it comes into your mind sinful thoughts 
This is what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Ahab invited this rattlesnake into his chariot. And then Benadad said, if you look there in 1 Kings 20, verse 34, he said, I'll restore all the cities that my father took. You can make streets for yourselves in Damascus. Satan always promises something good, but he never fulfills on his promise. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? And Ahab said, if you look there, verse 34, I'll send you away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with Benadad and sent him away. God delivered Ahab from this enemy twice. Now he makes a covenant with him and sends him away. This unscriptural covenant allowed the Syrians to regather, to strengthen themselves. And in 1 Kings 22... The Syrians attacked Israel again, and this time they killed Ahab. As a child of God, if we make an unscriptural covenant with sin and we let it slide, then death will be the end result of us as well. Be careful about making an unscriptural covenant with the enemy. today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. Hello, I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And every Sunday morning, we have Sunday school starting at 9 o'clock and worship service at 10, as well as Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All of these services are broadcast to the parking lot for those of you who wish to participate drive-in style. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.